Today is a special day here at Burning Bush Baptist Church. We're having a deacon ordination service, and we have uh, four men that are candidates to become deacons. They've appeared before an ordination council where they were asked a lot of questions about their doctrinal views, also some about their character and their families and those types of things. And uh, so they're going to be presented to us here in a few moments. But uh, first of all, we've asked each of them to uh, share their testimony, talk a little bit about what God has done in their life, how they've arrived at this particular point in their life. So we're going to start this morning with Tyler Hall, and then each of them will uh, successively come on up here. So Tyler, if you'll come on up. July morning, I had a very, very bad addiction to gambling. You know, we're taking my life. That's all I cared about. My wife woke me up that morning and said, we went to church. I came to church. I wasn't involved in church. I sat in the back every, every Sunday morning when I was in town or not at work. But church was over. I get up and leave. That Sunday morning, my wife woke us up. It's for July. I was ready to go celebrate America. But she said, no, we're going to church this morning. I said, no, it's for July. Let's, let's just take the day off. She said, nope, we're going to church. I said, okay. So I came and sat there. I've been out gambling all night, not before. In that service, God grabbed a hold of my life. He told me it was time for a change. And from that day forward, I started making huge changes in my life. Three years ago, I started going to Joe Callahan's um, Sunday school. And he did a um, whole series on, you know, serving in the church. It really touched my heart and worked with me. And um, I started getting more involved in the church. I joined some committees and started serving, and then he asked me if I'd be willing to serve as a deacon in a church. I said, well, not me, Joe. I'm not, I'm not working at that. He goes, what do you mean? I said, not me. I'm, I came from a dark place, Joe. I can't do that. He said, yes, you can. You I said, we got to go talk about this, Joe. So me and Joe went out to eat, and I, you know, I told him where I came from. He had no idea. But he goes, you know, you've made the changes and you're heading in the right direction. You, you know, you bring your family to church and everything. And I said, well, I'm willing to do it, but I don't feel worthy of it. But I'll do it. And that's where we are today. And I'm here to serve y'all as a church and do anything we can. Amen. there. 
investigations in New Mexico three times. And then, uh, like I said, the men's group. I got involved with the men's group there. And things our promise keepers came up. So I went to a few conferences with them. And that really turned my life around there. And then there are a lot of great preachers. But I was the second guy. And then some of them were the promise keepers. I had no idea. And finally, ladies in the church. Didn't know it was prepared for marriage. And then raising kids, you know, grandkids. Raising them. And then I was glad I had to call the parents. Rather than church every Sunday. Mother. Anyway, they gave me a lot of support. My wife. Sees a lot of good in it. all the stuff I can do. More than I can see. She encouraged me, be encouraged by things behind me. Anyway, in the Methodist Church, she was sprinkled. But as I got older, got more and more I realized I need to make a bigger commitment. So, once my sister in law was going to get baptized, so. Now would be a good time for me to step up and do that. So I didn't tell my family, just my sister in law, so I didn't know about it. I didn't tell my wife anything. So I wanted to be baptized. But I wasn't thinking ahead. I didn't bring any clothes to change into after baptized. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still January the 14th. But God bless you for the warm day that day. In the city. <laughs> I forgot about that. But anyway, I asked two or three times for me a deacon, and I turned it down. But the last time I said David Lewis called me, asked if they wanted me a deacon, and I said, Yes, I do. Tired of being Jonah, tired of running. I said, he was preaching that sermon. So, anyway, if we say yes, God will do the rest. I don't know, I feel like I'm not worthy. I'm like all the other guys. I'm not, I don't feel like I need to be on it, but God needs guys in there. So, anyway, I just thank y'all for y'all support and prayers. And I'll be praying for y'all. Keep us in prayers. Thank you. Good morning. My name is Jeff Van Fleet, and I'm here with my wife, Melissa, and my children, Zachary, Noah, and Ella Grace. Um, we moved to Georgia about 15 years ago. Uh, we came from... Uh, uh, from, from from Houston. I grew up in, in Texas and I was born to church in a small town uh, in the Beaumont area. Uh, and I remember kind of uh, early on walking the aisle and uh, accepting Christ. And But I, I, you know, at that point, I don't remember any kind of big, huge transformations in my life. I'm not sure if I was kind of going through the motions or doing it out of fear of going to hell or, or what, but uh, I walked the aisle and, and, and made the decision. Uh, 
Uh, my name is Jeremy Wynn. Uh, if you don't know me, if you do know me, you're probably wondering, why is Jeremy Wynn on that stage? <laughs> I just want to apologize. Um, when, I got, when I got the call uh, asking, hey, you want to be deacon, I was probably more surprised than you are that I'm up here. Um, because I am not perfect. I, I, am, uh, I, I have uh, imperfections in my life for sure. But I want to tell you briefly um, how I got to the point where I'm standing on this stage. It's kind of an interesting story. And this morning early, I taught three pages that really detailed that story. Um, it was profound. It was really good. Unfortunately, I don't have it, so you're going to have to settle for, for this. So uh, my printer didn't work, and then I came in, and I was like, Joseph, print this for me. He's like, okay. And we went down there, and then we had an issue. And he was like, I'll get it between the service. I'm like, cool. And I sent it to him again. Still no paper in front of me. So um, you get what you get. All right? So, whatever pops in my head, that's scary sometimes. All right. So I'm going to start early on at conception. No, no, no. I'm going to tell you about my first. What is this? I'm going to tell you about my first experiences in church. Okay, and I got to warn you, they weren't great. So we went to South Russell Baptist Church, a good church. And uh, when I, my first experiences were basically being forced uh, to go kicking and screaming. My dad, he didn't go to church at the time, and he would stay home and watch Star Trek and Buck Rogers. So this was my this was my choice. Go to church, which in my mind at the time was very boring, or stay home with dad and do fun stuff. So I was always like like reluctant to go, but my mom luckily forced me to come. And when I got here, I was put in a class, and I was very shy. You wouldn't know it by looking at me now, but I was super shy, like like nervous about being around people and talking. Lord, Lord knows, you know, and now here I am. But uh, I was in this class with this really, really old lady. She was probably like 50, but in my mind, she was really old. And everything that happened in that class reminded me of school, which I also hated. So I was just sitting there hating life. And sometimes I got to like get my way and stay in big church with Mama. And I would sit over in this region, and, and I would get to color on the little envelope when she wasn't looking, you know. Or I would count the ceiling tiles, and every now and then I drifted off to sleep until she poked me. Got in trouble a few times over that. So that's that's just the, that's the beginning, okay? And as I got a little bit older, um, I got a little more cerebral, and I started listening a little bit. I was like, well, I guess I'm here, I'll listen. And what the preacher was saying started to make some sense in my mind. And, you know, music it wasn't even a part of my life at that point, but I remember opening the hymn and kind of going through the motions and mumbling through. But as I got older, I started paying attention to the words and actually singing and kind of enjoying that. Um, and things started to change, and, and I started to think, and, and I think even at that point, at 11 or 12 years old, the Holy Spirit started dealing with me, and my mom was talking to me and pushing me, and one thing that she wanted me to do is go to the youth group, and that was the worst in my mind. Going to the youth group, I, I was petrified, and somehow she encouraged me to go one week, and I walked in, and for the first time, I sat on the back row by myself. For the first time, though, I saw something different. Church wasn't this boring thing um, that, that was procedural. There was joy in what was happening. And, and so they were singing songs like River of Life, and I've got so much, so much, so much. And if you went to VBS this past week, you may have heard those songs. I'm still singing them all these years later. But there was joy, you know, and, and that's the first instance I saw. And, and when, the, when the youth pastor got up to speak, it's as if his words were meant directly for me. He was talking and it was impacting me at a real deep level. And at the end of this service, um, he asked us to close our eyes and raise our hands. And, and shy little me, I, I didn't plan it. My, my hand went up. 
right? And then as soon as the service was, was over, I ran out. I was like, oh gosh, she's going to talk to me. And so for weeks this went on. And, and, and you know, my mom was praying for me and, and she was talking to me and God was dealing with me. And then one Sunday morning, I'm sitting in a pew by myself. I sat right back there at another church. And um, I don't remember what the, the pastor said, but the whole service, I felt something inside of me. It was kind of boiling up. It wasn't emotion. It was something different. Um, now, I now recognize it as the Holy Spirit. And he got to the end of the sermon, and he gave an altar call or an invitation, we called it. And uh, I was kind of like, I just knew I needed to do something. I wasn't really sure, you know, what, what this whole salvation thing was about. Um, but, I, but I felt it. I felt it in my heart. And the music started playing, and what has become one of my favorite hymns, I've decided to follow Jesus, started playing. And as soon as I heard those words, I found myself walking. And it's almost like I was being pushed. I was like, Mama? She wasn't back there. She was literally teaching uh, Sunday school or something like that. And I'm by myself in this church full of people that I don't really know well, and I'm super shy. I'm walking up to the front. I'm like, good Lord, what am I doing? And I get up here, and the preacher, his name is Eddie Rushing, he's standing here, and he asks a question. I had no idea it was going to be a quiz. I didn't know to say, but he says, why have you come? And I wanted to say something really spiritual and really deep and well, I've come to whatever. But all I could say, all I could get out with the faith of a child is I just want to go to heaven. And it's in that moment that that uh, we, we, we came over to the side, we, we had a conversation and I gave my heart to Christ. And it was a very real um, shift, you know, I was 12, 13, I was actually 13 years old, October 17th, 1993, and I, I hadn't been involved in a lot of sin, to be honest with you, I was a young kid, but I felt the weight of that conviction and, and just a shift in my life, and it was very tangible, and I remember um, just being convicted and going home and reading my Bible and doing quiet times and just doing everything I could, I couldn't get enough, I was just on fire, and I remember um, picking up, uh, I had this little, like, like cheap Chinese uh, guitar that I'd gotten for Christmas when I was a kid. And for some reason, part of that switch that happened in my mind, in my heart, I went over and I picked that thing up and I started, you know, playing with it. And I was like, Daddy, show me some chords. And he showed me a few chords and then I just practiced and I practiced and I practiced and I practiced till my fingers couldn't press the, the chords down. And then the next day I went at it again. And I played it so often that my parents sometimes would go to the breaker box and flip off the, uh, the breaker in my room and so, so they wouldn't have to hear me play. So thanks for the support, Mom and Dad. I appreciate that. <laughs> but the point is, a couple weeks later, a few months later, I don't know, um, I'm in the youth group and I hear a couple other kids talking about forming a kind of a praise band. I'm like, hey, I have a guitar. I know how to play some chords. Next thing you know, I'm in front of people leading worship at 16 years old. And I've done it ever since. Ever since I, I led youth worship in that church for 17 years, and it was a it was a real blessing. So from there, I, I got older. I went through the youth group. We went on mission trips. We went to Super Bowl. All the things. I, I even earned my Eagle Scout throughout that time. So that, that was kind of cool. But I grew up. I graduated high school. I went to college, and I decided I wanted to be a teacher. And that, that took about three or four years to decide. And basically, the way I decided it is I was flipping through the catalog, and I was like, what, what doesn't have any math? Uh, social studies teacher, and that is literally how I picked it. So, have better life, life plan than that. But anyway, so it was God's plan, even though it was a silly plan on my part, it was God's plan, because the very first education class I took, I had to do an observation, and I went to where I was comfortable, my elementary school, it used to be called Happy Valley Elementary, renamed Stone Creek. 
Um, and I, the first day I showed up, I went into a classroom, kind of nervous, had my little notebook with me, and I walked in and there was a young lady on the phone. She was just being informed that some kid was coming to observe her. And I walked in and she turned around and there was magic. That was Miss Castings. And in a year, she would be Miss Wynn. That's right. That's right. So we got married. And for years, um, first of all, I got to say, uh, once I got her saved, right? She, she, was a, she went to a church across. Anyway, anyway, got her saved. Got her saved. Good and saved. And then we, uh, we started doing ministry together. We did multiple VBSs and went on mission trips and just... You know, it, it was a good time in our lives. We were newly married, and, and uh, so for about five years, that was kind of our life. And then we had some great, great news. Um, she found out that she was pregnant uh, with our son, Andrew, and this was in 2007, early on, kind of like February, March, I don't remember. And so um, our whole family was celebrating. We were rejoicing, you know. There was, there, was, uh, there was things to look forward to. There was hope in the future. So we were in this place, and then Satan came and knocked and he punched us right in the gut. And so the worst uh, tragedy that our family has ever endured occurred in June of 2007. So uh, I grew up in Rossville. I've got a, I had a brother, a uh, sister, a mom, and a dad. We grew up in a really tight-knit home. And in June of 2007, we got um, a phone call. And just the worst news imaginable that, that a family could ever deal with um, happened to us. Our, my brother, he was 21 at the time, he was actually murdered. He was shot to death in New Orleans. And from that moment on, it's like there was a switch in my life, but in a bad way. And this wasn't just a switch in my heart. This was uh, my whole family. And so what was joy and celebration and commitment to God turned into bitterness and anger and everything that Christians should never be. And it was a dark period, and we went through the motions, and we went to church, and I still even led worship for a while, for a couple of years, and just things were bleak, you know? And it just affected every aspect of my life, my marriage, my job, just bitterness and anger, really toward God. How could this happen to us? And, and so it's in this period of time that we decided to make a change. We, we said, hey, we've, we've got to do something different. This isn't working. And so um, we decided to look at other churches. We, we needed kind of a new beginning. Um, and so that's how we kind of, this is the second church we attended. I won't tell you the first one. But we, uh, we came here and it just immediately felt like home. Um, you guys treated us like family. I remember the first time we came, we were invited to go to a Sunday school. And we plugged into that Sunday school for a long time. And through those conversations and through just being loved by this church family, um, things slowly began to change. The bitterness and the anger, it was replaced um, with, with grace and love. And an understanding that that vengeance belongs to the Lord and that we had to let go of some things and we had to forgive and we had to move forward with our lives and we had to we had to grow in Christ. And so that's happened. Um, there, there's been a transformation in my life um, and in my family's life. And, and you guys are partly responsible. It's God working through you. But not even knowing our tragedy, you guys loved us through it and you gave us that new beginning. And I will always be thankful for that. So it's my hope that I'm able to serve this church in the same way, uh, to, to minister to you, to support you in the same way that you did for me and my family. So I appreciate you guys. I love you. I'm here um, in any way you need. I don't have a lot of money, but I, I, I can mow your yard or minister to you when you're sick or hurting or grieving because I've been there.
Okay, so I appreciate this opportunity. Um, and though I feel um, not qualified for this, I know that God is with me and he will prepare me for whatever obstacle that I encounter. So thank you. This morning we've heard the testimonies of these four men, Tyler Hall, Frank Tilly, Jeff Van Fleet, and Jeremy Wynn. After meeting with these men, the Deacon Ordination Council recommends that we proceed with their ordination this morning. It's uh, really an interesting thing when you think about uh, our Bibles are full of stories of unlikely candidates becoming uh, central figures. People that you think you have a problem, it may just be a tool for you or a resource for you to use five years from now, ten years from now. You can help somebody with grief, you can help somebody with counseling. You really never know what tragedy you think at the time will serve somebody else later that you may help them more than you are helped. So we welcome all of you, our brothers, and uh, so now please join me in prayer for these men. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day that you've given to us. We are humbled and honored to worship you today and to give thanks for the blessings that you've given us. Today we raise these men up to you. We pray for their hearts and their bodies and their willingness to serve you by serving not only the folks that are here today, but to everyone that they come into contact with. We pray that their hearts always yearn to serve others. We pray that each man's family, that they will support them as they serve the church. Father, we pray that first and foremost that each of these men continue a daily commitment to you and forever hold the relationship with you through your son as the cornerstone of their lives. We also pray for each other, the church body, that we offer our support and prayers to all of our deacons, our pastor, and the staff. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, unlike Jeremy, my printer did work this morning. <laughs> but I, I'm just going to share one quick thought with you. I appreciate all their testimonies, and I don't resent one moment not being able to speak this morning because I think we've had four preachers this morning and I think they all had something that you could walk away with this morning. I certainly never think that I have a, a corner on, on, on God's word or what God has to say to this group of people here. And uh, you've heard some wonderful testimonies this morning. But I do just want to share one thought with them. You know, if you go to any given Sunday this fall, there will be Hundreds of thousands of people, if not probably millions of people across our country that will be uh, cheering in football games, college football games, and again on Sunday mornings. And they're going to wear their team colors, and they're going to cheer, and they're going to second-guess the coaches. And by the time the games are over and millions of people will be watching them on television too, they will be absolutely exhausted. And if their team loses, some people be depressed. They have passion for their teams, whether it be college or high school or football or uh, pro football, whatever it is, they have passion. And then there are men that 
and women that don't care much about football, but they have a passion about getting their lawn looking a certain way or their flower beds a certain way or, or maybe whatever cars or something that they're into or, or getting the right uh, trophy for your uh, case, so to speak, hunting and those types of things. Almost all of us are passionate about something. But what saddens me sometimes is some of us don't seem to be passionate about Jesus Christ. Or we don't seem to want to show that passion. We'll cheer and we'll get excited about a lot of different things going on in our lives. And then we come to church in a worship event, which is to encourage us to worship the creator of this universe. God himself. And we'll sit there with these blank expressions on our face. Just bumps on a log, so to speak. And it, and it, and it saddens me. And some of you will go to work and somebody might come up to you and say, well, do you go to church? Uh, well, uh, uh, well, uh, it's my wife's thing, so I kind of go with her. That kind of idea. We ought to be excited about Jesus Christ. And that's my challenge to everybody, not just these four gentlemen today, but we ought to have an enthusiasm and a passion for Jesus. Two scriptures I want to share with you that emphasize this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That's over in the Old Testament in the book of Deuteronomy. And then Jesus reiterates it several different times in the New Testament. But in Mark chapter 12, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's a lot of passion. All your mind, all your strength, all your soul, all your heart. That's a lot. That's getting excited. That's being enthusiastic. That's having a fire for the things of God. So that's my challenge to these guys and to all of us. Let's make sure we have a passion for Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you today. Father, we thank you for these gentlemen. And Father, thank you for their desire to serve. And I just pray today that, Father, you'll use them in special ways. Father, I pray that when the times are tough, that, Father, you'll still uh, just let them know what your calling is. And Father, we also pray for their family. I think most of us realize that the expectations and the things that ministers' wives and deacons' wives go through. Father, they, there's just things that go on that, that they have to share, things that are a burden that other people don't know about. And Father, I lift their spouses up to you too and their children. I lift them up to you. Father, I just pray that they'll remember the day of their calling. And we also... I just want to thank you for all the people in this church that serve. All the people that serve during BBS, people that are doing things this morning in children's departments, and folks that do behind-the-scenes things, and unlocking and locking doors and turning on lights and serving coffee and leading worship today. And Father, they don't carry a title of deacon, but Father, you call all of us to serve. And Father, most of all, just help us to have a passion for you and help that passion to show. Pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have what we call the, the laying out of hands part of the service. I want to ask these gentlemen to come up here and sit on these chairs.
maybe to spread the middle ones out there. They got a little bit pushed together a little bit. And then I would like to ask any ordained deacons or ministers in our church to come on down here. I've selected four men specifically to pray over some of these guys. But any of you that are deacons, whether you're an active deacon or a former deacon or whatever, I want to invite you to come on down and, and lay hands on these gentlemen. So if you'll come on down. there's something special when godly men lay their hands on you and pray over you. And every person that's ever had that happen has just told me, you can't explain it. The Holy Spirit just comes on you in a special way. I have a certificate of ordination. If you guys want to stand here, please. This reads, has their name, having been chosen as a person of good report, full of the spirit of wisdom and capable of serving well, was set apart publicly to the office and work of deacon for English Baptist Church.
Would you stand with us as we conclude the worship this morning?